This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of morning doc good to have you back in the studio again Hey, Gordon. Always nice. How's it going? It's great. Again, uh, some fantastic guests uh, we've had in the last couple of days and uh, looking forward to chatting today with Peter Khoury, who's the Chief Creative Officer of TBWA Hunt Lascaris, um, about his award, uh, the Ad Focus Industry Awards um, Creative Leader of the Year 2020 in South Africa, which I think is an outstanding uh, achievement uh, ad focus is a really important forum for the industry so peter welcome to the show thanks for uh, joining us and congratulations well thank you so much and thanks for having me um great to be here i know one of the key uh, things which has resonated with the doc here is the uh, the mtn wear it for me campaign because he's even wearing his mask uh, this morning <laughs> so he's wearing it for me uh, you've got at least one uh, person who who grasped the whole concept doc yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, Gordon, and Peter, firstly, um, well done. Congratulations. It's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and thanks for taking time to be with us. You know, we've, uh, Gordon, as you say, we've had some really great guests, um, you know, and, and, and I mean, Peter's no exception to, to that uh, lineup. So thanks for your time. Peter, let's get straight into it. Um, I think first things first, you, when you won the award, I think the first thing I saw on your social feed was, hey, hold on, I wish it could be for my team because it's not a one-man band. Do you mind just talking a little bit about the importance of team and, and, and how you've nurtured and grown people in the agency? Oh, yeah, sure, Doc. Like, you know, it's so important to work with people that are better than you um, in a lot of things that, that <laughs> we have to do every day. And... You know, when you've got really talented A players around you, you've got to make it a fulfilling environment for them to stretch themselves, for them to grow, and for them to eventually even leave and, and challenge you um, in ways and maybe even surpass myself as a leader. Hopefully they will, you know. Mm. But 
Given autonomy and allowing guys to rise um, and actually find their place and, and, and have their voice and have the space to make mistakes and to learn from them is so important. And when when you can create an environment like that and people thrive, you know that you can depend on them, you know, on so many levels because they're ambitious, they, they're determined, they're talented, um, and they just want to do amazing work. So it allows me and it opens stuff and space up for me to to get involved in making sure that the environment is good that um i can i can uh get some clients on sides about certain things it gives me a lot more flex in the role that i could play and how influential i could be in actually getting out of the work in some ways and, and actually worrying about the bigger things and the environment in which ideas are being bought and sold and make sure that that environment is the best that it can be and it, 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 it all around just feeds the channels you know so mm. so much of what i do i can only do because like the people that i have um and that are surrounded that i'm surrounded by do what they do and they so dependable and so talented so yeah. i mean that's what i mean with that and yeah. really it's it's so fulfilling watching them grow and like just delivering on some things that you just never even thought possible you know yeah, and I, and I guess, you know, the two things that, that in, in listening to your answer, uh, two things that come out. One is, you know, I guess as any leader, you've got to check your ego. In other words, you've got to decide, you know, where, where, where does everybody stack up in that leadership chain and how do you build your team? You know, and again, it's a question of, as you say, allowing people to grow, sometimes maybe even surpassing you. And I know that in the ad industry, a lot of people do move around. I mean, yourself's a case in point from agency A to B and, and hopefully back and, and so on and so on. So I think it's that that confidence and comfort in yourself and your ego. And I think the second part you make is how often leaders work in the business and not on the business, which is which is kind of the wrong way around. You know, sometimes you've got to be you've got to roll up your proverbial sleeves and get into the business. But you know, a lot of the times as leaders and, and as strategists, you know, you need to sit and work on the business for the long term the yeah. long term view for that. Yeah. So again, That's well it. done for yeah. you know finding that balance. Thank there. you, Doc. Yeah, yeah we, we're going to come back to uh, the Wear It For Me campaign for a moment. I just want to pick up one one stream of thought there. You know, Peter, you were talking about you know managing the team and you used the phrase people that surround me. Obviously, 2020 has been a bizarre year. Um, how do you manage a team when they're only virtually around you? How do you, A, sort of manage creative standards? How do you manage to feed off each other? You know, in the old days, if you wanted to bounce an idea, you strolled through to the creative department or whatever, or to the media department and said, what about this? How do you think about it? How, how do you foster that sort of spontaneous uh, exchange of creativity uh, in this virtual environment? How do you manage a team that, that isn't there? Yeah, I know. It is, it is or it was difficult in the beginning. But, you know, with every challenge comes opportunity. And as an agency, as we went into lockdown, we got asked to step in and do a lot of the work and actually launch um, the brand called the, the Solidarity Fund. So it didn't exist. And we we literally rolled that out, launched it, and created content, created digital assets. We just did whatever we needed to do um, in those first couple of weeks to make sure that South Africa had its best shot. And whilst doing that, we learned a lot because it wasn't about us trying to figure out a way to do things. We had deliverables that needed to go out. There were 
things that our country desperately needed. And it wasn't about no, it was just about find the answer, find the way. And a lot of those first weeks influenced a lot of our behavior and the way that we shifted as an agency. Um, but I must say, like my our ops lady, Carol, that, that runs all of that, was already preempting this. So when we did go into that hard lockdown, we had a lot of that stuff already set up so we could just roll. So being preemptive was good, but then also just having the attitude that, you know, being solution orientated, um, we, we, we found those solutions and that created a rhythm for us. It created a culture for us. And, um, you know, where we are right now, like, like I come into the office every day, not because I have to, but I come in um, because I know, people know that I'm here. And every now and then some people pop in, we have a chat. So culturally wise and socially, there's still enough people connecting, even though we're not connecting on the, on the mass scale anymore. But a lot of our conversations online and a lot of what we do um, is actually not suffering. You know, our work is even better in some some aspects. Our maturity on how we handle things um, is even better because, you know, you, you're looking at the, the content and you're looking at the time and you're evolving your thoughts and you're being more sophisticated in the way that you that you put it out there. So, like, it is very challenging. You know, I'd love to be in an office filled with people again and have our chats and, you know, maybe a couple of drinks on a Friday, you know, after a tough week. But, but. You know, we, we find the gaps in between. We we try to set up sessions where we can be stimulated and, you know, we can invite some guests in. And although a lot of it happens on, on video calls, um, we still connect with each other enough on, you know, in our in our ways, you know, even if it's just going for a walk together with someone. Um, so, like, for me in future, like, I, I do see probably, I mean, there's definite benefits of, of working from home for people, you know, especially people that have, kids that you know they can pick up from school and you know it makes that easier and they've got some life admin and stuff to do <coughs> but you're definitely going to need a space where people you know the introverts are almost thriving in this time and the extroverts are, are suffering a little bit and yeah. the world will find its balance you know yeah. there's definite merits in giving people more of that flexi time um with a little bit more structure yeah. And hopefully we'll we'll evolve into that kind of a space. I was going to ask you that question, Peter. So just looking forward in terms of the agency, can you see that hybrid model being uh, the kind of one that you're going to adopt going forward? Oh, I can definitely see us looking at it and trying to make it work, you know, because you can actually have permanent employees that work from Cape Town and if we're in Joburg and it's fine. Yeah. Whereas before it would have been a bit weird if someone mm. was relocating to Cape Town, you would, you know, they would hand in a resignation and yeah. that would be it. But in this day and age, it doesn't matter. So, you know, if you can get access to more special talent mm. and <clears throat> more diverse talent by making this model work in a certain way, then it's great. You yeah. know, you can, you can always find the upside in the challenge. I think, know? I think that's the point, though. You know, I mean, I look back at now. I, I want to say years. It's it's only one year, Gordon. It seems like years, but I mean, a year ago, it would have been the Cape Town office or the Joburg office. You know, and, and not just your agency, yeah. but but quite a few. And and then, of course, if you take it to the global scale, you know, now you can tap into you know people around the world. Yeah. And 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 as you say, Peter, it's too. And I guess a lot of people, depending on where you are on that change curve, and uh, are, are saying, listen, now. If I look at the positive of this, I can now tap into anybody around the world. Um, and it's not just, you know, d defined by, by bricks and mortar. Um, okay, Gordon. I, I don't no, no, no. I just, it was you just, know, what's also, yeah? just on that point, Doc, what's also good is 
if you think about our currency and you think about what people would charge out, let's say you're a freelancer and you charge out a certain rate. For someone in the US or in Europe or wherever, to be paying that rate is almost next to nothing yeah. because of the exchange rate. So, I mean, South Africa as a pool of really talented people that work in this industry, like globally competitive, you know, we as a country, we are in the top 10 in yeah. almost every global award show um, every year. So we hold our own. Um, you know, if you look at the size of our population, we should be maybe ranking in the 30s, not yeah. in the top 10 where, where we normally do. Yeah. And like based on that, there's a lot of opportunity for South Africans and especially South African creatives to tap into that and to make themselves available because mm. the amount of money that they can earn um, is a lot more because even for someone in the US that's paying dollar rates, mm. For them, it's going to be a fraction of what they would pay someone in the States to do it. But in South Africa, it's probably still way over the rate that you would normally cha charge. Uh, so there's yeah. also some interesting stuff that could happen there. Yeah, you know? it is interesting, Peter. And again, you know, I, I, just chatting to one or two people, I mean, you can almost take, depending on your rate, of course, and you can almost double and triple your rate. And it's still an absolute bargain compared to, uh, you it. know, com and yeah, and we've seen it, you know, we've seen those those rate cards and numbers. I want to hand over to Gordon. Gordon's yeah. uh well, I'm just, there was something Peter said which reminded me of the void between uh, advertising these days and back in the glory days. Peter was saying he misses having drinks on a Friday. I think back in the glory days in media, <laughs> most of us struggled to get to 12 o'clock on a Monday. So well done. I think that kind of discipline is admirable. Um, but you were talking about the global creativity, and I think that that's true. There's, there's no question. It's a huge opportunity to engage with the rest of the world. Um, but what we, we still struggle with sometimes is to engage with the rest of Africa. That's a bit of a burden. And yet the Wear It For, for, uh, for Me mask campaign in 41 languages across 20 countries is an extraordinary pan-African uh, feat of achievement. How did you go about giving that a pan-African feel? And I love the, the, the digital interface where, you know, individual staff members. So there's Fantel, there's Mercy, there's Abba, all wearing masks for their colleagues. Yeah. Brilliant campaign. How did, how did you find the, the kind of the bench or the footprint to get it into a Pan-African kind of feel rather than just so, something here? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it started with the brief that we got from Bernice Samuels, you know, and she was very single-minded um, and very focused. It was, we need to play a bigger role in curbing the spread of COVID-19. And what we want to do is encourage the use of mask wearing. That was our brief, as simple as it is. And how often do you get a brief that simple? Not, not often at all. So, and when, when you think about that, and obviously, you know, we've got a lot of offices around the continent, and then we bring all our people together, we start talking and we share insights and we get all the data and we look at the challenges. And with the single-minded filter on, you know, so slowly you start to build something. But when I say slowly, we got this brief and we had to launch six weeks later. So it was all during lockdown. Um, but within that challenge, because of what we had done on the Solidarity Fund, and because of the flex and the learnings that we had taken there, we actually got to reapply all of that to what we did on this Wear It For Me campaign. But we also got to take the learnings into account and, and, and do it better. And I mean... Like a brief would come in literally in the morning, there would be like six briefs um, or tweaks or requests. 
And I would almost say within before 12 o'clock, four of those briefs were already answered, even before the brief could come in officially to the agency. You know, we were doing the paperwork on it all, but we were actually acting on it and and, and beating that paperwork. And that's what it took. You know, it took like a, a broad understanding. It took a really simple idea, a really simple platform with the ability to scale it and to localize it um, easily. I must say, like to MTN, the commitment that they said that they'll stop all commercial activity for the month of September and invest all that money into this campaign, that really, really gave it the impact that it needed. Because like, I don't think there's ever been a campaign on this continent that has crossed over so many people in so many countries um, and, and, and been so effective and also been so simple in its message, you know? Um, like it, it stretched from using influencers, you know, focusing on on moms, because, you know, as Africans we we don't like listening to anyone. But but who's going to say no to their mom? And especially <laughs> when when our moms are mo- are the yeah. most vulnerable because they're sure. part of the elderly, sure. you know, or they yeah. they're the older generation, so they're more vulnerable to this. So it was such a nice flip, where it was, you know, rather than MTN asking you, we're going to get mothers to ask you know, or, or mother figures mm. even just to, to ask, you know, their loved ones to wear it for me. Um, so very effective in, in what we did. And, and like, really, it's we've never had results like this before. You know, I think there was something like almost 700 million impressions um, that we got online, um, a lot of traction. We got artists like DJ Khaled involved. Mm. And you would ask why, you know, he's a DJ from the United States. But the traction that he has on this continent and the way that people, you know, look to him as a guiding light, um, his voice is very influential. So again, the data showed us that it would be a good thing for us to do. And we did. And, and the results also speak for themselves there. Yeah. And so, yeah. I don't know if there's anything more specific. No, no that's, wanna, that's no, on that money. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. And I, I guess, you know, you look at a, at, a, at a powerhouse company like MTN playing such a responsible role and it's, and it's wonderful. And that's continued yeah. now, you know, into, into vaccines and rollouts and, and, and a whole lot of other stuff. Yes. So, so uh, yeah, great. I mean, that's fantastic uh, on that side. Peter, just uh, talking a little bit about uh, communication, and I guess the irony, and often in speaking with uh, creative people, for that matter, client service people and and, uh, CEOs of agencies, the irony is you sell communication, but often I've found that there's almost sometimes a breakdown between client, media house, digital house, if that's separate, and creative house. I mean, what is your feeling? How are you guys working in that space? And I'm not just talking now virtual, I'm talking about pre-COVID, post-COVID, in terms of the need to get better communication and more open channels. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Yeah, like so much of that comes down to how much effort you're willing to put in. Because... Let's say there's an idea that starts in what would be defined as the lead agency for a client. And the company, the creative company, comes up with something. As soon as that has to go to other companies, like a media company or a PR company or the below-the-line company, if if it's decentralized like that, mm. you, what ends up happening organically is you lose 25 to 30% of the purity of that idea because other companies and other people's minds come in. And yes, they start to extend it, but most of the time what happens is they end up diluting it Mm. and it loses its pureness. 
But if you're not lazy and you have the right effort and you're prepared to stay involved in the process with, with, with everyone and everyone respects each other enough to know, you know, where, where everyone stands, then it does work. You know, so much of it comes down to your attitude and, and you know, sometimes you do have to lead by example and you have to be the person that puts that effort in first, that tells people more than you would normally share, that gives more time of yourself to make sure that people feel heard even when you say no to something because they can understand why because it's not doing the thing that you believe it should do to honor the idea in, in, in a more pure form. But, you know, this is guidance of where it could go. And then people listen, you know, and then it's collaborative in that way. And so much of it's your attitude. It's like people are people. Some people work good together and some people are like oil and water. But mm. even in those challenging situations, how do you figure that out? You know, how do you find a common goal and a common vision and a common purpose for yourselves as a collective to actually not only deliver something that the client wants, but to over deliver something then, you know, that they could only have hoped for. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, just, and you, and you made the point that sometimes, you know, you've got to take the lead, but sometimes I guess, you know, you've also got to be able to play a secondary role against the, yes. our earlier point of ego, you know. So in other words, if you're, and you know, having worked with many different agencies and, and try to put them together, sometimes it's just trying to, it's like herding cats. You've got to try and manage the, the egos, you know, and not just the creative side, yeah. but, you know, everybody else wants to make sure they've got their moment in the sun. And it's, it's, it's yeah, as you say, at the end of the day, what are you doing? It You're not always doing it just for the client. You're actually doing it ultimately for the consumer, you know, and as long as, you know, you can put the consumer first, make sure that whatever you doing is going to play into that space then i think you're in a good place yeah so um i'm going to hand over to yeah Gordon. and uh, you know you you made use of the phrase peter uh, idea dilution unfortunately for me very often it's worse than that it's idea pollution which is like an act of interference you know that old adage no, no greater desire is there than this than that one man should change another man's copy so you know it, it is this continuous yeah. Um, interference yeah. and that's why I, I've enjoyed the the wear the mask or wear it for me campaign because it's a simple idea my concern with this whole digital kind of uh, intervention is that much creativity seems to be judged on its technical kind of engagement you know sort of capability rather than the simplicity of the idea so I'm loving I'm loving the simplicity of the idea but Marketers around the world, Peter, are realizing that integration in communication is, 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 is the answer, really. So how do you see creative agencies moving forward you know, in that interface between creative, media, digital, playing out? And how, how do creative agencies regain uh, the high ground from the, uh, the consulting groups uh, like Accenture or the low ground in the case of McKinsey? Okay. I mean, so that's almost like two different questions. I'll yep. ask, answer the, the, the integration one first, and then I'll get on to consultancies. But in terms of integration, so if you just right now, technology and gimmicks and gadgets and algorithms are almost the center of gravity for most marketers and, and companies universe. And that's all good and well, because it's showing them interesting things, it's giving them good insights based on observations. Not all of them are using it to its full capacity and to full degree, but there is going to come a time where everything is going to even out. Everyone will have access to the same or similar degrees of technology, gadgets, algorithms, insights, um, analytics, etc. So 
when all that's the same and everyone's activities are similar because they keep following best practice because that's what the algorithm tells you to do, what makes you stand apart? What makes someone notice you more than anyone else? What it comes down to is storytelling, again. It comes down to the stories that you tell and the way that you make people feel. And, you know, that should always be the center of gravity. More than anything, everything else is a way to help you get that story across. And I do think that a lot of people right now have taken their focus off the importance of that. But <coughs> the brands and the creative companies that continue to pursue that are going to get a bigger slice of the future because when everything evens out, if I could say, they are going to be ahead of the game. They're going to have more credibility, more traction. They're going to be more authentic in the way that, that they show themselves to the world because they they did the hard yards now. And I'm not saying you must ignore data and analytics in that. It has a useful place, but that's what I'm saying. Everything works together. And I don't think enough companies are emphasizing that. You know, a lot of companies are going, oh, you know, we've got to be for purpose and we've got to do a purpose. And it's like purpose is not a marketing gimmick. It's either something you believe in fundamentally as a business and by the way that your business behaves, people can see it, you know, rather than just saying it. And I think, you know, there's also this whole turmoil that's that, that's happening right now where, where some companies are doing it way better than the other. So, I mean, that's kind of on the on the one question there. Um, on the consultancies, you know, they're trying to be more like agencies and agencies are trying to be more like consultancies. Because if you think about it, where the consultancies have a lot of benefits is they are speaking to the key stakeholders in the business and the guys that run it. And, you know, they get involved in the fundamental business decisions on what drives and the innovation that drives that business forward. At that point, once that's done, you know, then it'll go to marketing and you'll get your marketing brief and, and like so the, the position in all of that sits. But there is a gap that sits between consultancies and agencies where there's expertise on how you can stitch those two things together. And neither agencies nor consultancies have figured that out uh, completely. Like at TBWA, we do have tools and, and things that we are working on right now that directly challenge this. Um, you know, we've had a methodology called disruption that we've used for over 30 years. That's why it's a registered trademark, even though everyone else uses that word a lot in, in this day and age. Um, but there's a, an evolution. In, you know, it's a tool that we've evolved called Disruption X, which looks way more to where the consultancies play, but then also looks at more project-based work and looks at more individual kind of projects where you can come in, create a mass impact, like the Wear It For Me campaign, for example. You know, you come in, you work hard, it's for a month, it's in, it's out, it's finished. You know, and we, we worked out um, great systems and methodologies of it, and, and we're already starting to play there. And I think, you know, the companies that are going to succeed are the companies that are doing it because they're doing it, because they're learning as they go, because yeah. they're figuring out what yeah. the intuitive answers are. Yeah. And it's interesting times, you know, it can go either way. I, I do think that consultancies that are generally corporate structures and have a corporate environment, it's really hard to get a creative energy or the, the, the place in the, the, that a creative mind needs to flourish um, I don't know. I think they'll have yeah. to do a lot of work from a culture point of view to make yeah. that feel like it's appealing to, That's to an, someone. Yeah. You know? Interesting observations there. I mean, you know, what you said is simplifying it slightly. You know, consultants are trying to come downstream into the creative space. Creative guys are trying to move upstream into the uh, consulting space. But ultimately, the real challenge 
is that marketing is going to move back upstream into the C-suite. If marketing's yeah. intervention is only coming in, you know, down the decision-making process, that's where the problem's coming in. Doc, I mean, I know this is something you're passionate about. We've just got to get marketers back into the C-suite. Yeah, absolutely, Gordon. And I think, you know, it's encouraging. You, you know, I've got, you know, the, uh, sort of a separate spin-off series uh, in terms of top marketers, and we're interviewing them now in talking with them, and not just them, but also, you know, their bosses and, and, and uh, you know, colleagues. A lot of those top marketers have found their way back through through performance you know we're speaking uh, i don't want to take sides here we just happen to be discussing mtn for the sake of this discussion as an example Mm. you know uh beneath samuels as a person has has moved you know up into into that space where it's that mix between you know the old cliche of art and science and it's not just and i mean one of the points in in our i'm cheering that particular marketer of the year and one of the points i was making to the subcommittee is we don't want the person to win who's an extension of an ad agency in other words if you take that person out i could just as well have been speaking to the client service person or for that matter gone straight to the head creative at an agency we're looking at a marketer not an extension of an ad agency and that's one of the challenges as well you know um at, in, in terms of, of the marketing function. And a lot of marketers have perhaps historically spent too much time on the communications piece of marketing and not enough on the other things, like, for instance, channel development, you know, deep pricing strategies, uh, understanding products. You know, I've worked with some people where fundamentally didn't understand the product, you know what I mean, but was more interested in the big TV shoot, as an example. And I think that's the challenge, Gordon, for guys, and for that matter, agencies, you know, Peter. And I mean, you uh, speak about understanding and getting that simple brief. Sometimes the brief is not simple because the no, marketer most of the time does, but, but sometimes the marketer doesn't understand the brief. You know what I mean? They don't understand. And part of our judging is how clearly can the marketer distill the business problem to the creative house. Um, and that's the challenge. And then bringing in, you know, uh, your agency a lot closer to the strategist at the company, at the client for that matter, yes. whatever the client yes. may be. So, so it's, a, it's an interwoven and a, and a long way to answer your question. I, I think it's a, it's a complex question, Gordon, and that agencies as well as uh, clients themselves need to get closer and, and certainly more yeah. in tune with the business and not the advertising part of the business. Yeah, and I, and I think that's something crucial and I, and I, I just wonder whether something in, you know, in the form of an open forum where you know, decision makers across marketing and advertising industries don't thrash this thing out wouldn't be an appropriate uh, kind of activity right now because I think one of the problems we have with younger and younger people coming into the industry is the understanding of when you may or may not push back. Mm. So, you know, it's remarkable after 45 years in advertising, I've never worked on a brand or a service that that is anything less than perfect. <laughs> so when you're faced with something, you know, it's like, it's like saying to a first-time mother that she has an ugly baby. It's a life-shortening statement, but sometimes you have to tell them <laughs> that this is an ugly baby. And you know, how do you... Peter, how do you find that balance between embracing the clients and showing the love and just telling them that actually they're really good and ugly baby? Yeah, but like it's also to what you were saying, you know. It's like, <coughs> Doc, when you were mentioning understanding more of the business and not just the pretty TV ad, for example. It's also like that's the where the dilemma is right now because that is looking at data and analytics and looking at what the research is saying to you. But... To have the trust and the discussion where you can work with great minds 
um, you know, from the agency side and from the client side to figure out what is the insight that all of the stuff is giving you that's going to help you do compelling, um, resonant communication, you know, that people will take, yeah, that, that they'll, they'll just love. And so much of that is, is also finding the balance between the two and being able to juggle on both sides of that, where you said it, it's the art and the science. And you, you need to have a mind of both or you need to have people around the table that can put both points of view across for you to find um, stories that are really compelling and powerful, but that are based on on really powerful insights that you know if you do this correctly, it's going to make a difference yeah. to the business. Well, Peter? You know, so it's like, yes. No, go, 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 finish. No, it's all good. You, <laughs> I, just, I, I just suddenly, I got so carried away and wrapped up in the discussion, I'm realizing uh, that we need to get to wrap-up time. So again, congratulations okay. on uh, uh, your reward. It, it, it really is outstanding and building on a legacy of, of local homegrown creativity at TBWA you know, over many, many years. So, so congratulations. And I'm going to leave it to Thank the doc so to, uh, to wrap it for us. And thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Gordon. Uh, thanks, Peter. Yeah, it's always, uh, you know, I'm always uh, careful not to reminisce too much about the, the, you know, the times. But I mean, I remember working with Whistle Hunter Scorus with John and, and, and Reg uh, in the early days. And I think at, at that stage, I was with Nash and I think we were the second client ever of Hunter Scorus, you know. So, uh, and then before they won BMW, before MTN came on board. And then at, at, at Nando's was the sexy brand at the time as well. So it was great times. And Peter, what I missed was the fantastic year end parties. Those, those, <laughs> you know, those days, it was, a, it was a lot simpler and we had something to look forward to. But um, I know. I for those days, I look forward <laughs> to very much. <laughs> Peter, thanks very much again. Well done. Uh, you know, industry leader of the year. That's a fantastic achievement. Well done, not just for thanks, your Mark. MTN business, but obviously all your clients in the stable. And uh, we wish you all. Just one last question quickly. How do people get hold of you? Do, are you on social platforms if someone wants to ask you a question or interact with you? Uh, yes, definitely, Doc. I mean, you can find me. I'm pretty much on all the platforms. LinkedIn's probably going to be the, the easiest one. Just search for, you can use my middle name as well. So it's Peter Gabriel Curry, and you'll you'll find me over there. Wonderful. Um, and then just send me a message. Yeah, yeah wonderful. I mean, cool. again, you know, for, for people, I, wanna, I always want to say young creative people, but not necessarily, just people in general who are keen uh, to be part of the dialogue. Get hold of Peter. It's an open invite. From our side, Peter, thanks very much. And to our listeners, we'll catch you next week yeah. on The Doc Ciao and the Guru. Cheers. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Matanz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.